another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. As in worship, I just um, really had this sense that there's some of us and it feels like we're trying to force a door open at the moment. It feels like there's a breakthrough that you're really needing and it's like you're trying to force this door open. And I just really felt God say that it's simply in His timing that rest and know, be secure, that it's in timing that the right door is going to open. So I just, if that word registers with you, why don't you just lift your hands right now and I just want to pray for you. Just right where you're standing, fantastic. A few of us putting up our hands. Lord, I just thank you that you are the God of time. God, that at the right time, you know exactly what we need. And I just pray right now, God, that that, just that peace would come upon us, that your rest would come upon us, that, God, we wouldn't try and force something open in our own strength, but, Lord, that we would trust you. We would trust you with your timing. We would trust you in your goodness. We would trust you in your greatness. And I just pray for the right release at the right time. In Jesus' Name, everybody said Amen. Come on, why do we thank God for that, eh? There have been many times where I've tried to force something in my own strength. And then when it's just a God time, it's just like, boom, it just happens. And I I just really feel that word for a sense of, yeah, let's just rest in that, be secure in that. And why don't you turn to somebody, give them a big hug. Why don't we thank our team? What an amazing team we have. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Why don't we thank our team? What an incredible team we have. Honestly, I am I'm honestly always blown away by the leaders that we serve with, by just the quality of people that God has put on our team. And I'm just amazed. People like Paul and Reet Furler, what a blessing they are to our house. How incredible what is on their world, so many other leaders, just what an amazing blessing. So thank you for everyone, everything that you bring because it's what makes it what it is. For Adrian and Jazz, what a phenomenal couple, just incredible, incredible people. Um, I have a, a real word from God tonight, and um, I love this topic, Unmasked and uh, Stepping into Freedom. It was actually Pastor Paul asked us every year as a team of campus pastors to really come with what we feel God wants to do for the year. And this was something Craig and I really prayed about and said, you know, we need a, a topic around freedom. Because personally, it's something that I live for, to see people step into freedom. There is something that breaks my heart when I see people living trapped, living in the sense of there's no freedom in this, in the sense of restriction. And I live for freedom because I know what Christ came and died for. I know why He came to set us free, to live these lives where we're not shackled, where we're filled with joy, filled with peace. Because that's the God that we serve. Yet so often as Christians, we love Jesus, we know Jesus, but we're not living in His fullness. And I just really pray tonight that we would step into more of His fullness. So come on, why don't we take a moment to pray. God, I thank You that You are here. God, I thank You for Your Holy Spirit. God, I thank You for Your freedom. And right now, God, I pray that You would stir us for more. Would You speak to us? 
Would you speak through me today, God? I thank you that you take the foolish things of the world and you make them wise. And God, I just pray right now that you would use these words tonight, that Holy Spirit, it be your words. But God, even more than that, God, I pray that you would awaken our hearts to what you want to speak. God, I pray, stir us. God, speak to us. We, we want to receive everything you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Now, I um, remember one of my actually, first childhood memories was I uh, was a very young girl. We uh, were on a dairy farm at that stage, and I loved scissors, as you do when you're young, the art of cutting things. And I, uh, one day I decided to cut my fringe, that it would be a really awesome idea to cut my hair. Any other little girls do the same? Yeah, so many of us. Uh, and so I decided to cut my fringe. And uh, who knows that you, you, you start cutting it and then it ends up, you know, just going where you didn't want it to go. And so you look in the mirror and you think, well, I need to fix that. So you chop it again and it just gets higher and higher. Like by the end of it, my fringe was up here, kind of like the style that some guys have today, like this little wee fringe right up here. And I remember looking at myself in the mirror as this little girl and just going, oh, no. I'm going to be in so much trouble. And the sense of, I've got to hide. And so as this little girl, I still remember hiding myself in my bed, just putting, just putting the covers over and hiding myself until mum was going to find me. And I still remember to this day, mum's voice coming through the hallway, Nadia. Where are you? And I just heard, Nadia, where are you? And her voice just continued, like getting more and more annoyed. Nadia, where are you? Nadia Jane Moa, where are you? And uh, I still remember as this little girl just wanting to hide, feeling embarrassed, feeling shameful, wanting to hide. And we see a similar situation in Genesis 3. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn to this passage? Genesis 3, verse 3 to 11. And it talks about the serpent. After, so Genesis 2 talks about Adam and Eve walking in freedom. They're living the dream, walking naked in complete freedom and complete liberty. The serpent comes along and he says to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you will not die. God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, pleasing to thine, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized that they were no naked. So they sewed fig leaves together, made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cooler day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to man and said, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said to them, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? It's amazing. As soon as they took that fruit, shame entered. As soon as they took that fruit, fear entered. And as soon as that, that happened, like me as that little girl, they went into hiding. They went into that place where, oh God, we can't be with you. 
God, we can't walk with you. They went into that place of hiding. And it's amazing today that we still do the same thing. Stuff enters our world and it causes us to go into hiding. Things like fear, shame is a massive one. Things like pride, anxiety, comparison, things that are not anything that is not of God. Those things enter into our world because of the evil world that we live in today. It's not heaven, the reality of the world that uh, we live in. These things enter our world and they can cause us to hide. And that's what this series is about, becoming unmasked, living in the freedom and not hiding behind those things any longer. See, we give the enemy power when we listen to his word. God's original ordinance for us was to walk into freedom But because Eve listened to the enemy, it meant that that mask came up in her life. And it's still the same today. We are robbed of God's freedom when we listen to the enemy and we allow masks to come into our lives. And we end up hiding behind these things. But the incredible thing is that when Jesus came, when He died on that cross for us, He didn't just die for our sins so that we would get to heaven, but He died for our freedom. He died so that we could live full lives in Him. And the incredible thing is that scholars say that in the, in the days where people were crucified, it wasn't just an act of torture, but it was also an act of humiliation. So often, you know, when we see pictures of Jesus dying on the cross, we see the little loincloth that covers him, but that probably, scholars say, wasn't the reality. He probably would have hung naked on the cross, absolutely in that state of humiliation for you and I. He humbled himself, the Bible said to that point, for you and I. He humbled himself so that we wouldn't have to go into hiding any longer, so that we could unmask ourselves. And the incredible thing is the moment he died, the Bible says the veil in the temple that separated the people from God's presence was torn in two. That veil was torn in two and we had complete access to Jesus Christ, the presence of God, when that veil is torn in through because he died for us on that cross, which means that we have complete access to him today. There are no masks, there is no veil apart from what we choose to take on ourselves, apart from what we choose to live under. And my desire tonight is that we would hear how much God wants us to step into freedom and how accessible it is for us if we would only choose it. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, For it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Isn't He an awesome God? It's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves be burdened. Come on, it's up to us. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Ephesians 3 verse 12, in Him, through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Come on, that's the relationship God wants us to have with Him, but what's robbing our freedom? Come on, take a moment to look at your life. What is the mask that you're living behind? What is robbing your freedom? Those things in your life that cause you to not truly be yourself, to not truly live authentically as God has called you to live. What are those things that we are hiding behind? Because we all have them. It's the reality of the human world that we live in today. And the crazy thing is those masks can actually end up shaping who we are. 
My little guy, our, our son Zion, who's eight years old, is into rugby league completely, and Craig is living vicariously through him, and uh, <laughs> maybe not so vicariously after the weekend. And uh, and we love going to his games. I love, we love watching him. We are those crazy parents on the sideline that yell at the top of our lungs. And so, you know, the league clubs have created like these borders for us that we can't get too close to the game because we encourage too much. And, uh, and But when I watch my little guy, he is so covered in gear. He's got his headgear on because he's got a wise daddy who makes sure he wears headgear. He's got his uniform on, which is incredibly cute, but very manly. And I, I watch him, but to identify him, I actually have to identify him by his outer garments, by what he's wearing on the outside, because his true self is completely hidden by the outside. And as I was preparing this message, I felt like God say, that's the case for many of us. Our true self is hidden by our outer stuff, by the mask that we wear. And you know, as a mum, the favourite part of the game is when I get to go out to my little guy afterwards. I get to take off the headgear. I grab him by the face. I kiss him on both cheeks because I still can. And I'm loving that moment that I still can. I know it'll be a few more years and I won't be able to. I walk through the schoolyard with him holding his hand, just relishing the moment because I know it won't be forever. And I felt like God is like that with us. He just, he wants to lift off that mask. He wants to see that mask that you're carrying, that mask that you've been wearing for far too long, that mask that now started to identify who you are. You feel like you could never get rid of it. He's the God that wants to unmask us so that we could step into full freedom. Is this making sense tonight? See, the amazing thing is that the enemy robbed Eve's freedom by doing two things. He questioned the Word of God, and he questioned the character of God. He got her to break her trust with God, and because of that, he robbed her freedom. He got her to break her trust, to question God's Word, and to question His character, and to break her trust in God. You know, our trust in God is ultimately what secures our freedom. I look at our kids today, and they're completely confident, completely free, because they know that they're provided for. They know that, we can, that they can trust us. We know that despite what anybody says, what we say matters most, there's just this beautiful trust there. And because there's a beautiful, uncomplicated trust, there's a freedom that they walk in. In my relationship for God, with God, I've found the greatest times I've walked in freedom with Him is where there's just been that uncomplicated trust. I trust you, God. I trust you. You know, moving here, I had a struggle for a while, this wrestle going on. God, are you in this? God, are you? you know, and as soon as you let that wrestle go, and God, I trust you. There's a freedom that comes in it. There's a joy that comes. But for many of us, We've broken our trust with God, and because of that, it's robbed our freedom. So tonight, what I want to look at is how we unmask ourselves by trusting His Word and trusting His character. And the first thing is in trusting His Word. You know, we live in a society today where it is information overload. We are overwhelmed by information that comes our way. You know, research analysts say that 
information is now doubling every three months. Information in the world that is made available in the world today is doubling every three months. Before the internet, it would double every 250 years. Now it's every three months. We have information coming at us at any angle. You, you search Google about a topic. You get information from every different source. And it can cause you to go into the state of confusion and complexity going, well, what is truth? We've got to know what truth is. And truth is based on what can be trusted. And what can be trusted above all else is the Word of God that He has given to us. The Bible is the most trustworthy written document alive in the world today. It is God's gift to us, lighting the way before us, giving a pathway for how to live, letting us know who we are, letting us know who our God is. It's the best-selling book of all time. It's the book that most uh, millions of people have given their lives for, which, which speaks of its credibility. The book that millions of people have received hope and life from, the book which has been subject to the most extreme, vigorous, literal, and historical critic. It is, and it has emerged unscathed, as Hans Klung said, who is a, a priest. He said, people are usually unaware that the reliable scholarly work achieved by modern biblical criticism, represented by trustworthy academic work over about 300 years, belongs amongst the greatest intellectual achievement of the human race. Has any of the great world religions outside of the Jewish uh, Christian tradition investigated its own foundation, its own history so thoroughly and impartially? None of them has remotely approached this. The Bible is far and away the most studied book in world literature. Thousands of ancient manuscripts of the Bible have been found which match the text we have of the Bible today. No other piece of history has four eyewitness accounts that were written as early as, as the Gospels. Archaeological evidence, which has been found, and it continues to be found, has confirmed the Bible time and time and time again. We can trust the Word of God. We can trust this living Word, God's Word. And we have to make the conscious choice in the, in the world that we live in today, not to be bombarded by all the information, but to know what we can trust. The Bible can be trusted. It cannot just be, uh, only be trusted, but it is God's living Word. Come on, Hebrews 4 verse 12. It says, for the Word of God is alive and active. It's alive and active. So often we treat it as this thing that's just out there rather than making sure, allowing it to be this thing that's on the inside of us. Come on, we have it as this thing that's out there that we should read and we're told to read and it's part of our Christian faith, but we don't make sure it gets on the inside of us. When it's on the inside of us, that's when it brings true change. Now, I'm terrible with directions. I, there is just something about making my way around, especially on Google Maps with a phone, that I can just not do. My husband will testify to it. It drives him crazy over and over again. And I struggle with trying to know where to go with this device that's on the outside of me. I'm trying to get my directions from this thing that's on the outside. But when I know where I'm going... Where I know the directions, it is not a problem in the world. I'll get there quite easily and quite speedily, and I will get there because I know it. We've got to be like that with the Word of God. It can't be this thing that's outside of us. 
It's got to be in us, living, breathing. Come on, we've got to get those verses that we need to get in our spirit and bring it alive on the inside of us. Come on, that's when we unmask ourselves. I love what Mahatma Gandhi says. You Christians, look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces. Turn the world upside down and bring peace to a battle-torn planet. But you treat it as though it is nothing more than a piece of literature. What a challenge. This mighty Word of God that we have is not a piece of literature. It is alive, it is breathing, and it's got to get in us. See, so much of the stuff that masks us is about us trusting other words or other things over God's Word. We struggle with insecurity because we trust what we think about ourselves more than trusting what the Word of God says you are able to do because of who He is on the inside of you. Come on, we struggle with pride because we trust ourselves and what we are capable of more than trusting His Word that says we should boast in our weakness because then He is strong. And when we struggle with fear because we trust in our failures more than trusting that God's Word says that His Spirit in you is greater than any of our failures. We struggle with anxiety because we, other, we trust in other people's words, the doom and gloom of the world that we live in today, what other people say will happen to us, rather than trusting in God's Word, that instead of worrying and praying, we can pray to Him and the peace that surpasses all understanding will flood our heart, mind, and spirit. Come on, who are you trusting? What are you trusting? And we can be like, yeah, 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 totally. But actually when it comes down to it, what do you trust? What do you trust? Come on, in our thinking and our thoughts, we've got to capture those thoughts and be like, this is the wrong thing to be trusting. We've got to change what we trust. The second thing is that we've got to change. Sorry, we've got to trust His character. We've got to trust His character. I love, one of the things I love so much is to watch our kids surfing with Craig, surfing with their dad. And I've got a picture of Zion surfing with Craig when he was just uh, three years old, if we could have that, there he is. And Craig would take him out on the surf, put him on his back, Zion would be holding on to his neck and his shoulders and they would catch the wave together and then Craig would lift him off his back and put him on the front of the board And I loved watching them surf because there was just this complete trust on Zion's behalf. This complete trust that dad knew what he was doing and that he wouldn't lead him into anything that would be detrimental to Zion. He trusted that dad was good and that dad was great. Dad could handle it. You know, when it comes to our relationship with God, that's the foundation of our trust with him, that God is great and that God is good. The basic foundation, the basic theology of Christianity, the character of God, it comes back to those two things, that God is great and that God is good. But many of us don't have that revelation, don't live in that knowledge that He is great and that He is good, because if we did, it would change how we trusted Him. Psalm 62 verse 11 to 12 says one thing. If I could have the band out with me, please. God has spoken. Two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong, that you, O God, are loving. You, O God, are strong, and you, O God, are loving. We have 
such a great God. He is the one who spoke the universe into existence. The stars are bigger than some of the greatest planets on earth, and God spoke them into existence. He is the one who the Bible says in Isaiah 40 verse 12, measures the waters of the earth in the hollow of his hand. With the breath of his hand, the breadth of his hand, he marked off their heavens. He is the one who split the Red Sea before the Israelites so they walked across on dry land. He is the one who leveled Jericho's walls when Joshua and the disciples walked obediently around it. He is the one who raised up Gideon to take out 135,000 Midianites with 300 Israelites who were completely in. Come on, he is a great God. He is such a great God. And because he is such a great God, he can meet us in our weakness. He meets us in our weakness. Hebrews 4 verse 15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Yet he did not sin. Love 2 Corinthians 12 verse 10. It's why for Christ's sake I delight in weakness and insults, and hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We've got to be real about our weakness. We've got to be real about the stuff that's going on in our lives so God can meet us at that point. Too often, the enemy would have us bind to the lie that, you know, you should just battle through on your own that no one else will understand. That, you know, you just, you gotta, no one else will get what you're going through. And it will cause us to live in darkness. It will cause us to live in this place where we don't step out to get the help and the reassurance of who God calls us to be in those moments. See, the moment we cry out, He hears us. The moment we cry out, He hears us. A few years ago, I remember a young woman coming to see me and this young woman was in this place where she just, she was crying out for help. She kept, every time she got stressed, she would keep going to the internet and looking at particular images on the internet and it was just causing her to get to this place where she was just thinking, felt dirty, felt like she had no control in this area in her life and she came and she was honest with me about it and it was a massive deal for her to share what was going on and The first thing I said to her was, I'm so proud of you, honey. Because when you bring it into light, it brings God into the mix. It releases the hold of the enemy in that part of your life. And it means that God can breathe. And we talked about how to bring God into the mix of that area of your life. You know, instead of turning to those images to put on worship music, to turn to the Word of God, to listen to a message, to choose God in the midst of that. And within a couple of months, she was completely free from her issue. And I remember one of the things she said to me is, you know what, I'm just so gutted. I didn't talk to somebody sooner. For 10 years, this has been holding me captive. I've been struggling with this on my own for 10 years. And in a couple of months, I got the release I was looking for. And it was as simple as bringing it into the light allowing God's strength to come in and be part of it. Come on, how great is our God? How amazing is our King? We don't just have a great God, but we have a good God. 
We have a God who always has our best interests at heart, who always has good in store for us. You know, so often we get caught up in blaming God for our issues rather than seeing the turnaround He wants to bring in the middle of them. Naomi is a classic example of this in the book of Ruth. She leaves leaves the Israelite land and in that space of time, she loses her husband and her two sons. And then she comes back afterwards to Israel again with her daughter-in-law, Ruth. And she meets the woman in the town at the gate and, and they... They, they say to her, you're back. And she says to them, don't call me Naomi, mean pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. She's in this middle of whinging middle of blaming God for her circumstance, middle of putting it all on God, and she misses the goal that's in front of her in the form of Ruth. She's all like, look at what God did to me, which God didn't do to her, by the way. Look at what God did to me, and she misses the goal that God's put in front of her. And so often we can be like that with our stuff, with our issues. Look at this God blaming Him for what's happened in our lives. And He's like, I want to bring the turnaround. The gold's right here. Come on, the gold within Ruth for Naomi. It meant that her her redemption, the family redemption kept on going for her, that she ended up in the line of the Messiah because of Ruth. How amazing is that? But she didn't see the gold because she was so caught up and whinging about everything else. Come on, how often and how easy is it for us to be so caught up in our issues that we don't see the goal, we don't see the breakthrough that God wants to bring in the middle of it. Come on, He's the God that wants to bring freedom. He's the God that is good. There is freedom that is found when we come out of the hiding place and we trust. Now I asked A beautiful, one of our beautiful women in this church, Claudia, married to Chris. Chris and Claudia are an incredible couple. And Claudia, for years, struggled with cutting herself. And every time she got stressed in a situation, she would just end up cutting herself. And she's had freedom from that for a number of years now. And I asked her, what were the keys for her? She said this, first, I went and spoke to someone in church. They told me there's hope and a future. When they spoke the word hope into me, it really impacted me to fight the battle. The second thing she said is she wrote down all the things God had done for her in the past to look back at the victories already won and it brought me back to trust in God, knowing He was fighting for me and through Him there would always be victory in my battles to come. The third thing she said was a conscious decision. Every time I felt down and was wanting to cut, it became a choice of doing it or turning to God. I didn't always succeed in choosing God, but every time I did, it grew grew stronger and the choice of choosing Him became easier. And the last one, the most powerful defense against the cutting was the Word of God. Reading Scripture that I could use and recite over and over was more powerful than any medication or anything anyone could provide for me. Reading about how Jesus used Scripture when He was in the desert with Satan, how He overruled and was victorious over Satan through using the Word. It was so encouraging for me. And I still use it as my defense in all circumstances. And she ends with this, God 
is just so good. God is just so good. God is just so good. And I know tonight there are some things that some of us have been struggling for with for a while now, maybe years. And God's just putting His finger on those things and saying, hey, it's time to be unmasked. It's time to come out of the hiding place and allow me to bring freedom. Come on, let's restore trust again. Let's restore trust because I am a good God and I am great. So I'd love us, why don't we just stand to our feet and we've got a few minutes tonight to worship Him. And I'm just gonna believe that in this moment right now, God's just gonna do a beautiful work on the inside of us. He's just gonna speak where He needs to speak in those areas in our lives that we know have been hidden for far too long. Why don't we release Him them to Him right now in this moment. So come on, team, why don't you lead us? And if that's you, if you know there are, while every eye is closed and head bowed right now, if you know that that's you tonight, there's just some things that you know have got to break that have been hidden for too long and you need freedom in. Come on, why don't you lift your hands to heaven right now? Lift your hands to heaven. Hear my heart surrender. Tell my soul again, you alone Come on, why don't we lift our hands to heaven? Though the seas are raging, you were speaking to that are saying, you know what, there are those things in my life that I need freedom from. I need God's touch on those areas. I need His strength. I need to choose Him. I need to restore trust in Him. But right where you're standing, why don't you just lift your hands to heaven. I'm going to pray for you just where you're standing tonight. Oh, I would lift up those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, right now I pray, God, for every one of us that has our hands lifted. God, those areas that you know that have been hidden, that only you see. God, I pray right now that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit. I pray for a new strength from this point. God, I pray that we would not struggle on our own, but we would release them to you. God, I pray for your supernatural assurance, your supernatural love to fill those areas. God, I thank you in the middle of it all. You love us so much. You love us so dearly. And God, right now, I just pray that trust would be restored. God, where where there's been broken trust, it would be restored. Right now, God, I just speak to those areas where we feel like you've let us down areas where it feels like there's disappointment. God, I just pray for restoration of trust. God, we're sorry for struggling on our own, for trying to control it ourselves. We just say that we trust in your greatness. 
and we trust in your love, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.